This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's not too late to get in on a 35-day challenge. The Federal Employee Education and Assistance Fund is looking for feds and supporters of public service to walk, run, swim, even roll your wheelchair for 35 miles, and you've got 35 days to do it. Here with details, FIA Executive Director Joyce Warner. And Joyce, I congratulate you on trying to find a creative solution to the fact that it's still a little bit early to have that in-person 5K that you're famous for. So tell us about the 35-day challenge. Yeah, well, so we are super excited for our 35-day challenge. You know, this is FIA's 35th anniversary. And we've helped almost 60,000 families in that time. And as you know, we do normally have an event every year in honor of Public Service Recognition Week. And so this year, we have developed a challenge that is starting on Public Service Recognition Week, but is continuing till June 5th. So it's May 2nd to June 5th, but you can join any time in that period. And we know that there are a lot of feds and non-feds like me who are looking to get more movement in their lives. And spring is a great time to do that. And as you mentioned, you can walk, run, bike, swim, wheel, whatever you want, but try to do 35 miles in 35 days. And we know some people do a lot more to that. For some people, that'll be like a good goal for them. You know, you could do a mile a day. You could do more on the weekends, whatever's best for you. You could even go downhill. (laughs) <laughs> you could even go downhill, although usually you have to go uphill at some point. Too, you have to right? get back up. Yes. <laughs> I guess you could drive up and walk down and keep doing that or something if someone could follow you. Let's back up for a moment, though. What has the demand looked like for FIA services over the last year, more than a year now, really? Yeah. I mean, we have had a lot of demand across a number of our programs. I think, you know, we had families who we helped either where the Fed passed away, unfortunately, or they lost a spouse or a child. We had a lot of people early on before those leave acts were put in place who were being told, go home and quarantine and no pay for you. And so we helped a lot of those families. We distributed about 7,000 masks to Feds very early on last year when you couldn't get them. And they were being called back to work or, you know, they were a frontline feds. And then in November, we started doing tutoring for feds kids if the feds made under $100,000. And we enrolled almost 10,000 children in that program. Is that right? 10,000 children. Wow. Yeah. And so we have a partnership with this organization called Tutor.com that has professional tutors in every single discipline. And they do it online. And it's been super, super popular. And the best part for me is we get quotes from the kids because they'll ask the kids afterwards. So I have two favorite quotes. One is, this person really knows how to explain this better than my mom. (laughs) And the second one is, this toter is really good, and I think he deserves a raise, and please listen to me, even though I'm a kid. Well, So those are like my two favorite quotes that we've gotten so far from the kids in the program. What do they say? Fools, drunks, and children all tell the truth. So that's exactly. one-third of the, of the truth coming in. And these are, by the way, it's live tutoring, right? Yeah. You share audio, or you can do chat. But there's no video, and that's to protect the children. They don't do video. But you can share screen. They have like almost like a whiteboard, blackboard, where you could do your math problems together. And, you know, we are at the end of the school year, but we are accepting people into this program still. Finals are coming up. AP exams are coming up. Standardized tests for the states. So you can get to that at fia.org forward slash tutor, and you can still enroll. 
All right. We're speaking with Joyce Warner. She's executive director of FIA, the Federal Employee Education and Assistance Fund. And on the flip side, how have the donations been coming in this year, given that there is unprecedented demand for your services? We have had a lot of individual support. You know, we always need more because the demand is very, very high. And that's why getting involved in the challenge at this time is really helpful for us. We've had 1,300 mostly feds sign up to be part of the challenge. We have many corporate donors who have joined onto the challenge, including Blue Cross Blue Shield and WEPA and GEHA, we're excited about. And the feds are everywhere. I think we had everybody but Rhode Island, every state, including the territories and overseas stationed folks, and every agency. And one of my favorite things, Tom, is you can join yourself or you can make a team. So some of the teams are just friends or some of the teams are like agencies, right? And some of the teams have great names. So some of the teams were like a wolf pack, uh, bourbon trail crawlers, Jersey girls. And then some of them are like team FAA <laughs> or the Chicago VA, which is fine. And so you can do any of that and you can sign up at via.org forward slash challenge. Wow. So 1300 people so far and the minimum pledge is $35. Well, that's not the pledge. 35 is the enrollment. I see. That, we still have to pay shipping and T-shirt and all that stuff. And then we're asking everybody to raise $35 on top of that. Yeah. So with you the, can do uh, that through your friends. It has a great way. It connects to Facebook. So, you know, they have those Facebook fundraisers where people can just give a few dollars and it goes back to your account. And so and a lot of people just get it from their friends that way. Sure. And it's not like asking for, you know, $1,000 because I'm riding my bicycle 10,000 miles or that kind of thing. Right. A little bit more doable. All right. And uh, just review for us the programs that FIA does offer. Besides the tutoring, there's grants yeah. and loans and so forth. I will. And then let me just say one more thing about the challenge that I want to mention. It starts this week. We're also doing Wellness Wednesday classes online if you're part of the challenge. The first one is on ergonomics and working at home. We're going to have yoga, mindful eating, meditation, stretching. So if you're part of the challenge, you get a Zoom link to participate in that. You can ask questions and there'll be raffles. If you're not, though, you can watch it on our Facebook page, and they're all at either 12 or 1, and you can get to that on our challenge webpage, too, because we also want to give folks a way to kind of get some of these other healthful things going on in their lives. But back to your other question, yes, we do emergency hardship loans, and those can be for people who have a personal medical issue that is either the out-of-pocket costs are too high for them or they're on leave without pay. Disaster grants, you know, we just spent a lot of time supporting federal families in Texas, many of whom the power outages, their houses just were not prepared for that type of long-term freezing lots and lots of busted pipes. I have never seen, since I have been at FIA, so many busted pipes from the freeze and no power. And we do scholarships. And so our scholarship program for this year is deadlines already passed. The new application will be out in the fall. And we usually give a little over 200 scholarships every year to children of federal employees and some feds going back to school themselves. Sounds exciting in the sense that you're in touch with what's going on and you have a real ground-level sense of what feds are going through. So sad as it might be in some individual cases, it's also exciting to be able to be close to where it is and not up in some ethereal policy level. 
It's true. And, you know, we were able to do things quickly. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, with the tutoring program, we were hearing the stress and anxiety of these parents. And I mean, we have a senior, our youngest at home, and it's like, yeah, I can't help you with a lot of your subjects either. And I had one woman call me from the IRS and she was like ready to pull her hair out of her head. And, you know, quickly we got on the phone with federal long-term care partners and then Blue Cross Blue Shield and later Care First. And they came together and said, we're going to help you support this tutoring for feds. And then it just exploded. I mean, we opened it November 1st, and we were up all night signing people up. All right. Sounds good. And we appreciate all the work you do throughout the year, throughout the decades, celebrating 35 years. And after the 35-day, 35-mile challenge is over, then there is the Federal News Network motorcycle ride for charity, which benefits FIA. And you're going to help us out there, too. We are. I'm looking forward to it. All right. And that takes place on June 25th, and there will be a sign-up link also. Joyce Warner is executive director of the Federal Employee Education and Assistance Fund. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. There'll be a link there, too. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a senior advisor and deputy chief of staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, you think about a pandemic, for example, that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is to sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented a terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments saying, I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina 
quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a little school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that's at the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it, it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community, uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values, but the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream which we often define and think of his big I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. 
And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Shane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, 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 and so I think that's a lesson for me, if there was some advice and counsel I could give, is to continue to do your work, but, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.